Good morning. Um, it is good to be able to speak. I, I'm so grateful to be a part of North Point. Um, uh, today was Sylvia's first time to do that, to do the, the mid-service, and she did great. Yeah! Go, girl. Keep it up. Um, it's, it's fun to be in a place where there's uh, flexibility and freedom to be able to go acoustic and to do all, all kinds of stuff. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're watching online. Uh, we're, we're, we trust that God's going to speak to you today in some really, really cool ways. Um, Fourth of July was just a few weeks ago. My family uh, goes to, the, to a cottage over the 4th of July at Crystal Lake up by Carson City. This year, there were 55 of us there that were there for some, some part of eight consecutive days. Um, our cottage is 800 square feet. My cousin's cottage next door is about 1,800 square feet. So it's probably safer to say that the 55 of us who were there were in two cottages, two campers, three tents, two Airbnbs, and three hotel rooms. That's kind of what it was. But we, uh, but we had this great opportunity to, to just hang together as a family, to just enjoy being together. Um, when we're together, we play lots of games. We play board games. Uh, we have a big old euchre tournament, all kinds of stuff. Um, we play out in the lake, and we play this game called cornhole. Anybody? And are there any like cornhole experts here today? Anybody? Oh, come on. Some, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to need a volunteer. Come on up. Ikovich, come on up. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Whoop. This is, this is remodel. Nijo, over here on stage. For the record, my wife volunteered me. That's okay. Um, <laughs> here we go. What's your name? Keith Ivkovich, or as Pastor Rick likes to call me, Jason. Yeah, doesn't he look like a Jason? <laughs> it's not going to work. It's going to be Keith. Okay, so uh, so we're going to play a little cornhole right here. You ready? Sure. And so you know, this is an equal opportunity cornhole game. If you can see up there, we have North Point stickers on them that they are green and white. Um, Keith gets blue. And I get scarlet because it matches my gray. Shameless. Shameless. That's right. Okay. So here, let me get this out of the way a little bit more. And I'll let you go first, Keith. All right. Fire away. Oh, good. Oh. Oh. You had a whole week of Okay, so here's my question for you. Here, step out here in the light a little bit. When you're shooting, that was a nice shot. Oh, thank you. Um, how do you do it? What, what, what's your key for throwing cornhole? 
Oh, good question. I try to put a little backspin on it. Okay. Uh, what do you do with your legs? Do you do anything? Yeah, I always try and keep three bags in my left hand, step with my left foot, launch with my right hand. And where's your right hand go? Just straight forward. Straight oh. forward towards the hole. Yep. Good. Give this guy a round of applause. Sweet. And so we're clear the score is one to nothing. <laughs> but who, who's keeping track, right? Um, why, why playing cornhole at the beginning of the message? It's for this reason. What we focus on is what we accomplish. Where our focus is, that's where all of our energy goes. Um, when you're playing cornhole, you're throwing right towards that hole. In, in sports, the same thing is true, right? You're throwing a baseball, throwing a football. You follow through right to where you're going to throw it to. Your focus determines ultimately your destination, where you're going to go. The uh, when we live that out on a spiritual in, in the spiritual realm, it's true as well. What we focus on is what we accomplish. Thank you very much, Mark. Sorry about that. He told right before the service, he said, don't forget to move the TV back up. I forgot. Give Mark a round of applause. You guys at home, you're going to thank him. So here's the question. What are you focused on in your life? What are you focused on right now? If you were to do an inventory of your life, what are you focused on? Are you focused on financial success? You're focused on retirement. You're focused on raising your kids, chasing your kids around all kinds of sports stuff. You're focused on having your life be one of significance. What are you focused on? Your focus determines your determination. Your focus determines, not your determination, your destination. It determines your destination. Um, You get what you aim for. We're in a series of messages that come from the Sermon on the Mount. And the passage that we're going to look at this morning really lives that out in a very clear way. Jesus doesn't ask the question quite this way to say, oh, what are you focused on? But he ultimately gives the answer for what we do with our life in order to have it matter. Um, Take out your Bibles. Uh, open up the North Point app, go to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 in the middle of, of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to start at verse 9, 19, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Um, Jesus says this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We've been talking in this series about crazy talk, about the crazy things that Jesus says. Um, Jesus, in this passage that we're going to look at, there are three crazy ideas that he, that he puts out there for us. The first crazy idea is this. Don't build an earthly empire. Don't devote yourself to accumulation of stuff. Don't build an earthly empire. Don't spend your life acquiring things that will decay, that will fall apart, that, will, uh, that, that can be stolen from you, that, that, that are just going to wear out. Have, have you ever gone through your stuff at your house? And, and looked back and said, oh man, I remember when we first brought this home. We were so excited about it. We can't get rid of it, right? That, that chair, that recliner, that just, it, and it's 25 years old, you know, and, and it's like, you remember that excitement of that new piece of furniture, 
but it's not new anymore. And it's worn out and nobody is gonna want it. Jesus says, don't invest in stuff that's gonna wear out. Don't invest in things that aren't going to matter long-term. Don't build an earthly empire. Does that mean that you shouldn't save? Does that mean that you shouldn't have a house and car and, and you know, a, a recliner? Um, n- not at all. Does it mean that you shouldn't go on vacation? No. Jesus was just saying, you gotta recognize that everything that you have, you have to hold on to loosely. You, ha- you have to recognize that, that you have it, that you're a steward of it, that, you, that you're entrusted with it, but you have to hold on to it loosely. Um, I, I don't know if you've thought about it or not, but everything that you have, everything that you've worked so hard for, at some point in time, is gonna end up in somebody else's yard sale, right? Or a landfill. It's either gonna be in a garage sale or a granger, one of the two. Um, It's all going to go away eventually. We can't take it with us. Jesus says you've gotta have perspective about the stuff that you have and not hold onto it too tightly. Did you, did you catch that in that, in that uh, sentence that Jesus said, that he said that your monthly statements will demonstrate what you really care about? Your monthly statements, your checking statement, your credit card statement, your, um, your investments, your calendar, all of those things are going to demonstrate what it is that you're really invested in. We, we can say that we care about a cause. It doesn't matter what it is. We can say that we care about a cause all that we want, but unless we're investing, unless we're pouring ourselves in, unless we're given financially to that particular cause, there is something that is more important in our lives than that particular thing. You've, you've heard the expression, put your money where your mouth is. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, where your money is, your mouth is gonna follow where your money is, that's that your, your mouth is, is gonna go to that place as well. If, you're, if you've been a part of North Point for a long time, if you give regularly uh, uh, you know, here, if this is a part of what you do, there is a part of your heart that's in Papua New Guinea, right? With Chanteers. There's a part of your heart that's, that's uh, in Ukraine with, with Herb and Kim Burkett. There's a part of your heart that's in Sri Lanka with Ube Wanshas. There's a part of your heart that's with rural kids in southern Michigan. Because what you give to, your heart follows. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be as well. Many of you, many of you sponsor kids with Compassion International or with other organizations. And when you send that check every month, when you write those letters, there's a part of your heart that is with that particular child or those children in Ecuador or some other place in the world, right? Um, Jesus goes on and says this, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. That phrase that that your eye is the lamp of the body that Jesus said, he was describing something that that we all know is true. The the, uh, 
um, Proverbs says that the eye is the insight into the soul um, kind of thing. Have you ever met somebody that you, just by looking at their eyes, you thought, oh, I'm not really very comfortable around this person. They haven't done anything. They haven't really said anything. Just their eyes cause you concern. Or the, the opposite's true as well. That, that you see somebody, you look in the eyes and think, oh, that's a person that I, that, that I want to get to know. I, I want to find out what makes them tick. Jesus said that when you pursue stuff, when, you, when you're consumed with getting things, that, that that shows up in your eyes. And that it creates this darkness in us. He says, because you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You can't hold on to both things at the same time. Um, that, that concept that you can't serve two masters, it's, uh, I, I was trying to think how to illustrate that many of you have heard an illustration like this before about, about the guy, this guy who's walking on the edge of a cliff and he falls over the cliff. And as he's going down, he's, he's past the place that he can grab hold of the top of the cliff, but he grabs hold of some roots that are there in the cliff. And he's holding on for dear life. And he looks down and he realizes if he lets go, he's going he's gonna to fall to his death. And he's too far down to be able to reach up to, to climb to the top of the cliff. And so he starts to yell and says, somebody, somebody up there, help me. Can somebody help me? There's, there's no response at all. He's holding on just for dear life. And he says, God, if you're there, would you please help me? And this voice from heaven responds and says, yeah, I'm here. I'll help you. It's God. He said, help me. What, what do you want me to do? And God says, let go of the roots. And the guy looks down and he realizes his death. And he looks up and he says, is there anybody else up there that can help? Yeah, you can't have it both ways. You can't trust God and hold on to the root. You can't serve both God and money. You can't hold, you can't live that kind of life, Jesus says. We have been blessed with so much, all of us individually, but we've got to hold on to it loosely. We've got to hold on to it with an open hand. We have to realize that our car, our house, all of our stuff, that, that, that God gives it to us to, to take good care of, but to be able to share and to use for his purposes. Jesus then goes on, if you look at your scripture, the next word that's there is the word therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in scripture, you have to ask what it's therefore, right? Because what, what, whenever you see therefore, what it really means is in summation. Okay, I've said a whole bunch of stuff. Now here's the point that I want to try and get across. Listen to what Jesus says. 625. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body than clothes? Here's the second crazy idea. Don't build an earthly kingdom, but also don't worry. You can't serve two masters. Don't worry. Trust God. That's, That's crazy talk, right? What, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just trust God that everything's going to work out? Um, the short answer to that's yes. That's what he calls us to do. Got a quick story I got to tell you. Um, uh, a week ago, our youngest son was home. And while he was home, um, uh, Grandpa had given him some stock a number of years ago. I was the custodian on that stock account with him. And while he was here, we went online and we took me off so, uh, so the stock is fully in his name. Friday morning, I get a call from him and he's frantic. He, he, he said, 
um, where's my stock? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I just got online to look at my account and nothing's there. It's all gone. Dad, what am I going to do? Can't, can't, ha uh, what? That's my money. That's, and I said, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. That sounded great to a 21 year old, right? He said, uh, yeah, help me find it first. So we have a conversation. We go through the process. We, uh, he ends up, I end up saying to him, you have to understand, son, that when they took my name off, they established a new account in your name. We'll be able to find it in your name. And they did. And everything's good. But we've all experienced that panic, right? You look around and you say, ah, what do I do? I can't, what, what, ah. And we hear this voice that says, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Jesus said, Life is about, life is more important than the stuff that you worry about. It's more important than your health. It's more important about whether or not you're going to have enough food or enough drink or something to wear. Those are all important things. They're just not the most important. Um, you, You know, part of what I love about Jesus, part of what I love about scripture is that Jesus didn't just give a command and say, do this, end of sentence, follow through. He goes on to give an explanation for us. He goes on to say, okay, if we're not supposed to worry, why are we not supposed to worry and what are we supposed to do instead? The first thing that he said was worry doesn't change anything. When we worry, it doesn't change anything. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Listen to what he says then. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. Let, let me ask a very logical, practical question of you today. Because worry is a very logical and practical thing in our life, right? When we worry, how much changes because of that worry? Nothing, right? Um, of those things that we worry about, how much does our worry impact whether or not they come to pass? Not really anything. Um, is anybody, that I, the, the thing that's the clearest on my mind right now is the Delta variant of the coronavirus, right? Anybody worried about getting the Delta variant? You can raise your hand, you're allowed to. Um, uh, our worry will not change whether we get it or not, Right? Our worry will not change how severe the reaction is that we have if we get that, uh, that virus. It's not going to change anything. Jesus says, don't worry because by worrying, it's not, you can't make yourself taller. By worrying, you can't add a single day to your life. It's not going to change anything. Don't worry. Trust me. The second reason that Jesus says um, not to worry uh, is, he, is that he said uh, worry doesn't change anything. The second thing that he says is understand how valuable you are to God. Understand how much you mean to him. He knows you. He loves you. He created you. He will provide for you what you need when you need it. Let me read those verses again. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field, see how they grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of those. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things. But your heavenly father knows that you need them. And he's going to take care of you. God says, I love you. I will provide what you need. Let me worry about it. You don't have to. The third reason that Jesus says not to worry is that he says, you've got to be different than the rest of the world. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. The pagans, the people who don't know God, the people who don't have a relationship with God, the people who don't trust God, they're the ones who are worrying. You can't be like that. Um, You need to be different than that. Um, you You know what's funny is most of us, I would say probably all of us, don't really ever have to worry about whether we'll have enough to eat, right? You can look at us and tell. We don't need to worry about whether we'll have enough to eat. Now, we may be worrying about what we're going to eat or what we're going to serve. Right now, you might be thinking, oh, where are we going to go for lunch today? Or what are we going to have? What are we going to pull out? Um, Not very many of us are thinking, I don't have any idea where my next meal is going to come from. Most of us don't have to worry about whether or not we'll have clothing to put on our bodies, right? We have to worry more about what clothing we're going to put on our bodies because we've got a closet full of stuff. Uh, Have you seen the Taylor Swift commercial? I can't even tell you what it's for, but she's saying, oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? She opens up the closet door and she's got like 30 cardigans that are identical there. Um, That's the story of our life, right? We're not worried about, we we don't worry about whether we're going to have something to wear. It's It's more a question of what we're going to wear and whether or not it's going to be in style or whether or not, It makes us look skinny or uh, whatever, you know? Um, Jesus says you don't need to worry. God's gonna provide. Um, He's gonna take care of us. You don't need to worry about what happens if you get COVID or the Delta variant. That doesn't mean that you need to just ignore the the risk. It doesn't mean that you need to be foolish. It doesn't mean... It does mean that you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about how you're going to pay that bill that's going to come that's not expected because your bank account's too low. You don't need to worry about what your spouse is going to do or is not going to do. You don't need to worry about that medical thing that's going on that you're afraid to talk to the doctor about or your upcoming surgery or the test results that you're waiting for. You don't need to worry about whether your kids are going to be scarred by your parenting. I can just tell you they will, all right? That's just a fact. You don't need to worry about what's going to happen with the stock market. You don't need to worry about whether a mask policy is going to be enacted nationwide or in our state or at your work or in your kid's school. You don't need to worry about our national government or our state government. You don't need to worry about whether or not the United States is going to have the highest medal count at the Olympics. 
You don't need to worry about those things because they may or may not happen. And they are things that you don't have any control over. So if you're not supposed to worry, what are you supposed to do? How do you take that worry? Any, uh, are any of you worriers? Is the person sitting beside you a worrier? Uh, now, I'm, now I'm getting some of it. If you're not supposed to worry, what are you supposed to do? Listen to what Paul said to the church in Philippi. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What do you do instead of worry? You pray and you be thankful. Understand that you can't be thankful and worry at the same time. You can't do it. You can't be thankful. You can't be grateful and worry at the same time. First Peter 5 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Don't invest in an earthly empire. Don't worry. Instead, put God's kingdom first. And this is really the heart of the message. It's the solution that Jesus gives. It's the reason that we played cornhole, because it's what you focus on. Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What's the third crazy idea that's in this passage? Seek God's kingdom first. Our rational minds tell us, no, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to take care of myself. And Jesus says, no, seek God's kingdom. Aim for God's kingdom. Focus on him. How do you do that? You focus on Jesus. The, the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily tangles. He could have said, let us throw off every worry and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Focus on Jesus. That's the key to seeking first God's kingdom. Start your day by saying, God, help me to see today what you want me to see. Help me to do today, God, what you want me to do. God, help me to feel what you feel about, about the events that are going on around me, about all the things that are happening in my life. In, uh, with every aspect of our life, if we see Jesus in the foreground and the rest of life in the background, that's what it looks like to seek first God's kingdom. Focus on God's plan. Focus on his perspective. Just like a player trying to throw that Throw that bag into the cornhole hole. Seeking first God's kingdom doesn't mean that you disengage from society. It doesn't mean that you don't pay your bills. It doesn't mean that you don't get medical care. It doesn't mean that you quit your job. It means that you see your job, that you see your role in society, that you see your responsibilities to your family, that you see your health in the context of seeking God's kingdom first. Is that crazy talk? Is it crazy to think about seeking God's kingdom before and above everything else? Listen to what Jesus said. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must, take up, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. 
If you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. A few chapters later in Luke 14, a large crowd is following Jesus. He turns around and says to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yeah, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. If you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Jesus, Jesus was saying, it's all about focusing on the kingdom. I, I love the way the message uh, uh, articulates those particular verses. Uh, then he told them that what, what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it be to get everything you want and to lose you, to lose the real you? Um, I, I, I don't remember what the first verse of scripture that I memorized as a kid was. But I've got to believe that Matthew 6.33 was one of the first because I learned a lot of verses from scripture from music. And I remember as a young kid singing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. As a young kid singing that song over and over and over again, that chorus, singing it at camp, singing it on retreats, singing it on Sunday mornings. It helped, it helped me as I grew recognize that there's one thing that matters and it's God's kingdom. It's not about accumulation of stuff. It's about God's kingdom in every area of our life. Your focus determines your destination. Where are you gonna throw that bag? Is it, is it going towards God's kingdom or to some other thing? Uh, I want to give you a challenge just as, a, as I close. I, I, I'd encourage you to take some time today, next couple days, whatever, paper and pen, do it on your computer, whatever it is. Um, and to make a list of all of the stuff that's in your world, the things that you're spending time and money and headspace on. Maybe it's your kid's athletic career. Maybe it's developing your intellect. Maybe it's your occupation. Maybe it's ensuring your safety. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's your house, your garden, vacations, whatever it is, social justice. Once you make that list, spend some time in prayer. Talk to God and give him those things. Trade him the stuff of life for his kingdom and his righteousness. Give up the worry. Ask him to reorient your thinking. When you pray that, it's a prayer that I know that God will answer. Because at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. All this series we've, we've said over and over again, you know, Crazy, the crazy talk of Jesus will change the world. Here's what I want to leave you with. In this area, seeking first God's kingdom above everything else, that crazy talk will not change the rest of the world. It will change your world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word.
We thank you for the power of it. And, and God, for, uh, for what happens right now as just our, our vision and our focus is kind of reacclimated. It's reset. It's turned around. Um, God, help us to trust you. Help us, God, to pursue you. Help us to aim for you. Help us to focus on you and to let everything else fall into place. God, help us to hold our stuff loosely, to not be so possessive, to recognize that that we're just stewards for a little while of those things. God, change us. And in that change in us, change the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.